Section twenty five of the Lord of Death and the Queen of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Lord of Death and the Queen of Life by Homer Eon Flint. Part four The Queen of Life. Chapter twelve The Mental Limit. Make yourselves at home, said Estra as they stepped into his apartment. The car has just filled his balcony. This is my workshop. See if you can guess my occupation from what you see. As for Myron and myself, we must make certain preparations before the announcement is made. They disappeared and the four inspected the place. As in the other house they had entered, the room was provided with a double row of small windows, some being down near the floor and the others level with the eyes these in addition to two doors, all of which were of translucent material. On low benches about the room were a number of instruments, some of which looked familiar to the doctor. He said he had seen something much like them in psychology class during his college days. For the most part their appearance defied ordinary description. Footnote Physicians, biologists, and others interested in matters of this nature will find the above fully treated in Dr. Kinney's reports to the AMA. End of footnote. But one piece of apparatus was given such prominence that it is worth detailing. It consisted of a hollow, cube-shaped metal framework, about a foot in either direction, upon which was mounted about forty long thumbscrews, all pointing towards the inside of the frame. The inner ends of the screws were provided with small silver pads, while the outer ends were so connected, each with a tiny dial, as to register the amount of motion of the screw. Smith turned one of them in and out, and said it reminded him of a micrometer gauge. Then Billy noted that the entire device was so placed upon the bench as to set directly over a hole about ten inches in diameter and under the bench was one of the saddle-like chairs. The architect's antiquarian lore came back to her with a rush, and she remembered something she had seen in a museum, a relic of the Inquisition. "'Good heavens!' she whispered. "'What is this, an instrument of torture?' It certainly looked mightily like one of the head-crushing devices Billy had seen. Thumb-screws and all, this appeared to be only a very elaborate persuader." for use upon those who must be made to talk. But the doctor was thinking hard. A big light flashed into his eyes. This, he declared positively, is something that will become a matter of course in our own educational system, as soon as the science of phrenology is better understood. And next second he had ducked under the bench and thrust his head through the round hole, so that his skull was brought into contact with some of those padded thumbscrews. "'Get the idea?' he finished. "'It's a cranium-meter.' It did not take Smith long to reach the next conclusion. "'Then,' said he, "'our friend Estra is connected with their school system. Can't say what he would be called, but I should say his function is to measure the capacity of students for various kinds of knowledge, in order that their education may be adapted accordingly.' "'Might call him a brain-surveyor,' he concluded." "'Or a noodle-smith,' added the geologist, deprecatingly. "'Rather a career appraiser,' indignantly from Billy. 
People look to him to suggest what they should take up and what they should leave alone. Why, he's one of the most important men on this whole planet. And again the doctor was a witness to a clash of eyes between the girl and the geologist. Van Emmon said nothing further, however, but turned to examine an immense bookcase on the other side of the room. This case had shelves scarcely two inches apart, and about half as deep, and held perhaps half a million extremely small books, each comprised many hundreds of pages, made of a perfectly opaque, bluish-white material of such incredible thinness that ordinary India paper resembled cardboard by comparison. They were printed much the same as any other book, except that the characters were of microscopic size, and the lines extremely close together. Also in some of the books these lines were black and red, alternatingly. Billy eagerly examined one of the diminutive volumes under a strong glass, and pronounced the black printed characters not unlike ancient Gothic type. She guessed that the language was synthetic, like Roman or Esperanto, and that the alphabet numbered sixty or seventy. The red lines, she added not so confidently, are in a different language. Looks wonderfully like Persian. By this time the others were doing the same as she, and marveling to note that, wherever the red and black lines were employed, invariably the black were in the same language, while the red characters were totally different in each book. Suddenly Smith gave a start so vigorously that the other turned in alarm. He was holding one of the books as though it were white-hot. "'Look!' he stuttered excitedly. "'Just look at it!' And no wonder— in the book he had chanced to pick up, the red lines were printed in English. "'Talk about your finds!' exclaimed Billy, in an awe-struck tone. "'Why, this library is a literal translation of the languages of—' She fairly gasped as she recalled Myron's words. "'Thousands of planets!' After that she fell silent, plainly— the discovery had profoundly affected and strengthened her notion of remaining on the planet. Van Emmon, watching her narrowly, saw her give the room an appraising glance, which meant, plain as day, I'd like to keep this place in spick and span condition. And another not so easy to interpret. I'd like to show these people a thing or two about designing houses. And the geologist's heart sank for an instant. He turned resolutely to the bookcase, and shortly found something which he showed to the doctor. It was a book printed, all in Venusian. They carefully translated the title page, using one of the interlinear English books as a guide, and saw that it was a complete textbook on astral development. With these instructions, the doctor declared, anyone could do as the Venusians do, visit other worlds and spirits. Just then Estra and Myron returned. They were moving at what was for them a rapid pace, and to all appearances they were rather excited. "'We were not able to make these records as perfect as we would like,' said Estra, holding up four discs similar to the ones which still lay in the explorer's translating machines. He proceeded to open the little black cases and make the exchange. There will be words used which I did not see fit to incorporate in the original vocabulary— but which you will have to understand perfectly if this announcement is to mean anything to you. "'Thank you,' said the doctor quietly. "'And now don't you think we had best know in advance just what is to be the subject of—' "'Hush!' whispered Estra, 
and next second they were listening to the telephone in amazement. End of section 25 Recording by Amy Graymore www.amysmindtoyourmind.com